Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and myself conclude our discussion on the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, talking about its New Testament application. Vocation, 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 vocation. <laughs> 22 minutes of Brett just saying the word vocation, and it's the exact same content as we've yes. always had. <laughs> All right. Got it out of our system. We did. Yeah. That's the earliest we've gotten it out of the system. Yeah, right. <laughs> Set a new under record. under five seconds. Wow, <laughs> new record! All right, this is the Being Lutheran podcast, and joined with the the regular cast of characters here: Brett Bow, Jason Goodham, and Brian Ricky. Awesome. We lost our. Are we vocating? Yeah, vacating or vocating? Is that our word? Our we've new been word? Defrocked. Uh. <laughs> That's my George Bush word: vocating. I'm vocating. It's kind of better mean. than emoting. Uh, all right. Oh. Yeah, well, we are, we're talking about God's Word here, talking about the third petition still, the Lord's Prayer, yeah. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, today we're wrapping up this mini-series of this petition, looking at a New Testament passage, and we're looking at Ephesians 6. Yeah, it's definitely the most obvious passage in the New Testament when we're talking about God's will to talk about the armor of God. Uh, but the connection here to the catechism material is that at the end of the large catechism section on the third petition, Luther tells us we need to be aware of our enemies. This is why we pray the third petition is because we have enemies in the devil, uh, the world, and our sinful flesh. And uh, there's no better place to talk about what that looks like in the life of a Christian than talking about spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And the definitive spiritual warfare passage in the New Testament happens to be the armor of God Mm -hmm. section from Ephesians 6. Yep, cool. So I'll read that for us here. Um, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Here ends the reading of God's word. Yeah, you, may, we're, you may be seated. You may be seated. <laughs> God be praised. I think yeah. I've already pulled that joke out already. Right. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, it's, we're ending a little early just because of where we want the stopping point to be because Paul continues to stop for a couple of verses. You guys are more than free to read through verse 20 or through the Ephesians or through yeah. the New Testament or, you know. Read the Bible. Yeah, read the Bible. <laughs> there you go. You went there. <laughs> uh, but... There's some interesting things going on here. And the the first thing I really want to talk about is this concept of spiritual warfare. And this this is, it's weird. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's fun. This is something in the American church. Again, my, my frequent whipping boy uh, for all things frustrating. We, we get wrong on 
both polar opposite ends of things. And so in the American church, we're prone to blaming the most mundane, ridiculous things on spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we're way too quick to pull the trigger. Oftentimes what spiritual warfare ends up looking like in the convention of the American church is just us being an idiot mm-hmm. and paying for our stupid decisions. Uh, and in, you know, that makes for a good connection to third petition because Luther does bring up that part of the reason that we pray that God's will be done is we're constantly at war with our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, it's that sort of thing. I think I've told the story. I had a friend in college. Uh, they left church for church late because they slept in, got a speeding ticket on the way to church and credited that to spiritual warfare. <laughs> and then I had one of those Inigo Montoya uh, right. moments. I don't think that means what you think it means <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, on the other side of the spectrum, which again, this is going to make me sound like uh, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, which is consistent with my character. Uh, I think often when we're suffering, we don't recognize that our suffering is, in fact, spiritual warfare, is, in fact, opposition, supernatural opposition, uh, that we're under attack. And so, I, you know, misplacing that in a facetious or a fickle way, I think, is dangerous for the church. And, and what we're going to see here as we explore this passage is, is that this ultimately getting spiritual warfare wrong undermines our prayer lives. And and that's the key takeaway from Ephesians 6, Mm -hmm. that as we put on the armor, which is cool and dynamic and makes for 98.7% of VBS curriculum out there, uh, as we put on the armor of God, we're ready to go to battle. We're ready to do amazing things for Jesus. Uh, But the activity, the prescribed activity for a Christian soldier wearing the armor of God is prayer. Our call is not to get out there on the front lines and start taking hacks at the demons. Mm-hmm. Our our call is to pray. At verse 18, praying at all times. Praying at all times. It's not not slashing with the sword, not parrying the blows with the shield of faith. It's to pray. And, and that really orients us back to what Paul opens with in this section, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Yeah. It's against the the rulers and authorities and powers of darkness. You know, Satan prowls around like a warring, a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is a liar and a murderer in his nature. And, mm-hmm. and he wants nothing more than to destroy us. And he's doing that both by attacking the church from the outside. And he's doing that in the church through false doctrine. Mm-hmm. And, and this is what we're up against. And mm-hmm. this is why we pray the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. Right. Yeah, and we see here that even the armor of God is not about our strength. It's about God's strength. Amen. Uh, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, like it says in verse 10. And, and go ahead. And every item of the armor of God points us back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it comes from God. It comes yep. from God. Points us to Jesus. This is assurance of salvation. Amen. Right here. And he's equipping us. He's equipping us. And you you look at that from the top down because that's the order I memorized. It's not necessarily the order it shows up. You have the helmet of salvation, Jesus Christ. 
breastplate of righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You have Christ's righteousness, mm-hmm. belt of truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Shoes mm-hmm. of the gospel of peace. The gospel, uh, the content of the gospel is the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. Shield of faith. We have faith in Christ, sword of the spirit, the uh, which is the word of God, the word of God. Is I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to carry the Word of God to our hearts, to bring us to repentance yeah. and to salvation. Again, all of those are gifts from God, even faith. Yep. You know, people do misunderstand faith, and I know that our brothers and sisters and different denominations believe that um, faith is an attitude God chooses to use, but. Uh, as Lutherans, faith is a gift uh, right. given by God as the gospel of Christ is preached. And so all of those are given by God. And it's kind of like this picture of we're just standing there and God's just dressing us. Mm-hmm. And it's his work, you know. And then the the way that we stay tethered to his will, again, as part of the Lord's prayer, yeah. thy will be done. Well, it's prayer. Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. You know, and, and the... That's the thing we so often miss. In the American church, prayer is something we do to change God's mind because apparently God isn't good and gracious and doesn't want to give us good things. Or we see God as a vending machine and we just kind of run down our laundry list of what we want. Exactly. But prayer in Scripture, as we've seen time and again, orients us to what God is already doing. Mm -hmm. And then in because of that, it's subsequently comforting us. Mm-hmm. It's it's giving us the strength we need, assurance of salvation, mm-hmm. to live out our lives yeah. as Christians on a daily basis. Yep. Vocation. Vocation. There right. it is. And, and, you know, anytime we're under attack, anytime we feel oppressed, anytime we're struggling and suffering, the language we are called to use as Christians is the language of prayer. Mm-hmm. And then we take that to God. And, and there's a pastor who I follow. Uh, I appreciate his ministry. I've never met him personally. But he teaches that anything that happens, happens because the church is praying. Hmm. The church is asking God to be God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's amazing. Well, and you look at verse 18, how it brings up prayer twice. Praying at all times yep. in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we, we have to be clarifying this too, again, because of this false piety that's grown up uh, in the American context. This doesn't mean you take a step, say a prayer, take a step, say a prayer. First of all, it's the availability for us to pray at all times. We don't have to pray only at the temple in Jerusalem or only in the sanctuary. It's that any little thing, like we talked about before, with my wife praying for the kids to find their lost mm-hmm, shoe, mm-hmm. that's praying at all times. But even like we said in our last episode, there's this walking language, that this Garden of Eden mm-hmm. language, and that's how we do that is by praying at all times. We're in this living relationship uh, with God because of what Christ has done, and as we are walking— uh, we are continually in prayer, continually in communion with the great triune God of creation because of what Christ has done. And that's an honor and a privilege. Yeah. And to just stay stay in that relationship and under his wing and under his protection and guidance. And I think that we wouldn't be so confused <laughs> if we did that on a continual basis throughout the day, that we wouldn't be so confused that, oh, well, what is God's will? Well, we'd, we'd already kind of mm-hmm. be there, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> So uh, it's I, I often wonder if a better concept, at least in English, for understanding the nature of continually praying is persistently mm-hmm. praying. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they're opposed to each other. I think they build on it. But mm-hmm. but that's what we're really talking about. I almost think it's like an attitude or a mindset that you kind of go throughout the day that just you're you're in constant communion yep. with God because of what Christ has done. It, it, iterative. Yeah. Is that a good well, word for it? Yeah. You know, we as pastors, we're part of this AFLC prayer chain where our the, the president of the AFLC takes requests from around the denomination and then forwards them as he gets them, or really it's his secretary that does Mm it. Uh, God bless Karen. Um, (laughs) But it's useful. We Mm -hmm. find out some tragic news. We find out some concerning news and things like that. But, you know, a picture of this, what I've started to try to do, and it's to my shame I wasn't doing it right away, is as soon as I get one of those emails, I open it up. And I pray what that says. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah you know? exactly. Just right then and there. You, yeah. you obviously want to add that person and their struggles to mm-hmm. my daily prayer reminders. But it's, you know, I used to have this false concept of, of prayer being only a formal thing that you did in, in certain modes. And, and we don't want it to be that. But we also, at the same time, don't want to glorify this extemporaneous prayer over, you know, scripted uh you know, recorded, written down traditional prayers. Mm -hmm. You know, Luther is a big advocate that the Lord's Prayer is all we need. (laughs) He loved the Lord's Prayer. And and it wasn't just a pattern for prayer, which it can be, but it was the prayer we ought to be praying. And and I have found oftentimes if I get uh, worn down in my devotional life, that praying a recorded prayer, a a already written prayer, is is great benefit Mm -hmm. to me. Um, I use in my personal ministry as pastor, I use the CPH Pastoral Care Companion, uh, which has been a huge blessing in hospital visitation. Mm -hmm. You get into a a tragic situation or an uncomfortable situation and the pressure is on. Yeah, exactly. And the pressure is on you to come up with this super spiritual prayer. But instead, I can open it up and I can read it. And it's better than what I would have said, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just randomly hitting all of the things about prayer. Yeah. Yep, that's good. Uh, you know, I'm as I'm reading this here, I, you, you mentioned talking about from the top down, the all the armor. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever noticed this, but the first one that's mentioned is the belt of truth. Yeah. And for some reason, that's hitting my funny bone today. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to keep your pants on. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's all of these images. I think we've done our ourselves in the faith a disservice by running with this Roman soldier image all the time because we're missing the symbolism of what's going on. The other thing that does is it speaks of isolated individuals where here the you is a plural. And this is talking about the congregation. And this is something about fellowship within the congregation that we pray as united congregation, united in Christ. And and I think that if we run with that Roman centurion thing a little bit too much, it's like we, we look at it individualistically. And I don't that I really don't think that's Paul's heart here. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the midst of the congregation as your life lived together uh, in the freedom of Christ Jesus. We do so as a family together in Christ. It's, we end up with what looks like a mercenary mm-hmm. more than what the concept of a soldier is when mm-hmm. we do that. You know. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, there's the communal aspect, which is 
in the background of all the epistles since they're written to actual real congregations. Yes, yes. But, but it's also the concept here. It's the, the, the one-man army with the exception of maybe Samson. But it's, and it's uh, building picture. off of the body of Christ imagery of chapter 4 yep. and how potent that is. And that whenever, when the body's working properly, it grows and it matures so it builds itself up in love. And in chapter 4, as we talk about that walking, and Paul reveals that, that our destination as we're walking together in the freedom of Christ Jesus is unity and spiritual maturity. That's our destination in Christ Jesus. And we do so as a congregation together in Christ, as the body of Christ. And here, the armor of God is being placed on the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never thought of it that way. I really like that. That's, uh, you know, something we ought to consider more. And, and I think the church needs to consider more with that the role of corporate prayer. Mm-hmm. The, the, the praying yeah. congregation mm-hmm. and what that looks like, especially as we get back to our original premise, talking about the will of God. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's natural for us in an individualistic society as individuals to talk about our individual relationship with God, but this is extending to the church. Mm-hmm. And, and the church is praying, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And the church is preparing for the attacks on it from the outside in, in, in wanting to stay uh, within God's will. And the church is reminded that God does his will without our help, which is why we have a church in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of part of the AFLC is that the congregation is the right form mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God on earth. And, and it just really fits in. For the day. Yes. Well, I guess so. But, um, <laughs> no, but it's real. It is. It's, it's there. Well, it's, and it's so easy to think that we don't need each other. And it's so easy in America, especially to just be isolated from one another. And we've got these cul-de-sacs where you don't even know your neighbors and in Suburbiaville and all of that stuff. And, and I'm telling you, we do need each other. Mm-hmm. And, and God has made us and designed us to be in fellowship with one another, to be in relationship with one another. And because of what Christ has done, he's restored that. And that is such a point of worship and gratitude that we should be walking in, in the power of the Spirit, celebrating that. And and that privilege of loving our neighbor as ourselves as part of a congregation knit together in Christ is really overlooked a lot. And I think, again, as we think about this armor of God, that it is about the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yep. Yeah, and you, you, you scratched an itch here for me, uh, one of my pet peeves. This talk of creating community, mm-hmm. uh, I hate it. I hate it so much because it's a denial that the congregation is the community. Yeah, and, and we have to realize that that congregation we are at, that tiny little church, wherever it might be, that is the community. Yeah, you're not creating something because when we create community. What we end up is in something that looks exactly like us and mm. that talks exactly like us. We create a community of ourself. Yeah. Whereas Paul paints this picture of fostering an environment of unity and peace, mm-hmm. fostering an, an environment of gentleness with humility, with patience. Well, and it's a unity in the diversity of Absolutely. those who have been redeemed. Because chapter two has talked about that diversity. He's yeah. torn on the, the dividing wall of hostility that should no longer exist. And so, the, the, regardless of your heritage, regardless 
regardless of your political view, regardless of whatever, there is this unity, again, knit together in Christ Jesus because of what Christ has done that supersedes human limitations, supersedes human caste systems, and that supersedes all of that. And it just breaks down all those barriers. But we don't always want to walk in that. We don't really want to embrace that reality, but that's part of what this letter is all about. And it just occurred to me as we've been talking about this, and I was kind of like, well, we've really strayed from the topic at hand, but we haven't. No. Because what we're describing in the congregation, that's the will of God. What's the belt of truth? He wants us to be. The, the, The will of God is that this diverse group of people who have been saved apart from their own worthiness. Yeah, uh, exist together yeah. for the, the purposes that God has created them. Right, because part of it is too is having the sword of the spirit, the sword of the Word of God, which reveals people's motives and, and exposes uh, the spiritual warfare warfare that exists with even in our own ideology that exists within our own preconceived notions that we were maybe either negatively taught from our own homes whether it be racism bigotry or whatever and that's part of the of the spiritual battle as well mm-hmm. yeah and we march forward under the banner of Christ as we're wearing his his armor uh property of Christ yeah. and you know I've I've heard described that you know the shield of faith it could have been like that that large shield where you could hook it together with a group of others to make a phalanx. Yeah, yeah, and um, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but it's it is in the sense of as we're, we're walking together mm-hmm. and uh, moving forward that uh, God's will might be done. Yeah, it's uh, you know all these images we don't want to carry uh, the uh, the the image. Too close sure. to the, tr- you know, or too far away from the truth it's representing, you know, and so we're not so worried about the shield, whether it's a buckler or yeah, the full right. body shield yeah. or things like that, but it's that we have a defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Satan attacks us, our defense is our faith, because that is the freedom uh, that we've been given to know that we're saved, that we have that assurance. Mm-hmm. Amen. Cool. Well, with that, I might as well read the final greeting in Ephesians chapter 6, and it says, Peace be to the brothers and the love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on iTunes. Please join Pastor Jason, Pastor Brett, and myself as we continue our discussion on the Lutheran confessions and the theological application for the church. God bless you and have a great week.